भद्रं कर्णे विष्णुयाम देवा भद्रं पश्येक्षीयत्रा स्थिरंगुष्वागंसनु व्यसेम देवितु स्वस्ति नो वृद्धश्वरा स्वस्ति नूषा विश्वेदा स्वस्ति नाक्षरिष्टेमी स्वस्ति नो बृहस्पतिर्दा ओ Of the second chapter in the Mandukya Upanishad, we are studying the Mandukya Upanishad and the Mandukya Karika. In the second chapter, we just read the thirty-second verse. We already done thirty-third verse also, I think. Yes. Thirty-third and thirty-fourth also. Yes. Right. Thirty-third and thirty-fourth are basically explanations on thirty-second verse. The thirty-second verse is the climax. Of the second chapter, it says, "Na nirodho na chutpati na vadho na chasadaka na moksho na vai mukta ityesha paramarthata." What is the highest truth? The final truth, conclusion of Advaita Vedanta, that there is no cessation, no beginning, origination of this universe. Um, there is nobody who is in bondage. Nobody is doing spiritual practices. Nobody who is seeking freedom from bondage, because there is nobody in bondage, um, and there is nobody who is attaining freedom also. And this is supposed to be the highest truth. But we understand in what sense? This is not, actually it sounds shocking, but it is nothing other than the the standard teaching of Advaita Vedanta: Brahma Satyam Jagat Mithya Jiva Brahmeva Napara. Brahman, the absolute alone, is the truth. Brahman is the truth. The world is an appearance of Brahman, and you are nothing but Brahman. In the language of Mandukya Karika, what, how do you put it? What is the world in the language of Mandukya Karika? The world of the waking, the world of the dreaming, the deep sleep, potential world. All three worlds are appearances. The truth is the underlying consciousness that is Surya, or even to, to put it precisely in the language of Mandukya. The first three are appearances. The fourth is the truth. If you have read Mandukya, you will know what is meant by first three and fourth and all of that. So, in the shorthand of Mandukya Karika, the fourth is the truth. One, two, three are appearances. Waking, dreaming, deep sleep are appearances. The waker and the waker's world, the dreamer and the dreamer's world, and the deep sleeper and the deep sleep potential world. They are appearances of what, in what, of. That Turiya, the fourth one, consciousness itself, in consciousness itself, they don't have any reality of their own. This is the meaning of Brahman being the ultimate reality. What is Brahman? That fourth, the pure consciousness. And the word being false means these three, the waking, dreaming, deep sleep, or in more philosophical language, the gross, subtle, and causal, stula, sukshma, karana, stula, sukshma, karana, prapancha. This is the Sanskrit word. So these are appearances, and who are you? Are you an appearance or are you the reality? Depends on what you think yourself to be. If you think you're the waker, that's not the ultimate reality about yourself. If you think you're the dreamer, that's not the ultimate reality about yourself. Neither the deep sleeper. These three are appearances of the real you. Who is the real you? Turiya. Mandukya Upanishad said, "I am Atma Brahma." This very self is the absolute. You, the self, you are the absolute. But you, in which sense? Not the waker. 
not the dreamer, not the deep sleeper, but truly the consciousness. Having said all of these, and 33rd and 34th verses are basically further explanations of 32nd. Now, Gaurapada wants to bring it to a conclusion. The chapter is almost over, I think it is 38 verses. Yes. From 35 onwards, 36 onwards, 35 onwards, from 35, 36, 37, 38, they are concerned with some, with, with spiritual, with the realization. Question is that if this is the truth, then why don't we realize it? If, why don't we see it? If this is the truth in all periods of time, past, present and future, why isn't it that we are experiencing it at any time at all? It doesn't seem to be. If it is everywhere, why is it that we are not seeing it anywhere? If it is I myself, how is it that I am so mistaken about myself? So, how do you realize it? Making a After all, that's the purpose. Not just to make a fine philosophy of it. The purpose ultimately <coughs> is to transform our own lives by realizing this, to, to make it a living reality. To ultimately, the result should be overcoming of sorrow and attainment of peace or joy. Atyantika Dukkha Nivritti Paramananda Prapti Complete and total cessation of sorrow and uh, attainment of bliss. So how does that happen? That is the subject. Very beautiful verses. Very beautiful verses. We will do them. 35 to 38. 35. Vita Raga Bhaya Krodai Vita Raga Bhaya Krodai Muni Bhirveda Paragai Muni Bhirveda Paragai Nirvikalpo Hyayam Drishta Nirvikalpo Hyayam Drishta Prapancho Pashamodvayaha what is the, I don't get the English book. What is the English translation? Can you read it up? Yeah. Uh, by the wise who are free from attachment, come up fear and anger, and who are all well versed in the meaning of the Vedas, this, the Atman, has been verily realized as totally devoid of all imaginations, such as this prana, etc., free from all illusions of the manifold and non-dual. Very beautiful verse. Drishtaha, it is realized. Seeing means realized, not seeing with the eyes. Because we have already, um, in the seventh mantra, or earlier also it has been shown that the ultimate reality is adrishtaha. It is not an object of the senses. Now it is saying drishtaha, it is seen. Seen only figuratively. It is realized, it is known. Uh, known as I myself, my own reality. Um, how, uh, what is this Atman life? Nirvikalpa, without distinction, without difference. What do you mean difference, distinction? Specifically, of course, we saw earlier some 35 theories were given about the ultimate reality. Starting with God or, you know, um, so many theories were given, time or somebody said, uh, so many different ideas were given, <coughs> different theories, um, dualistic theories, which were dismissed. Um, so these are the vikalpaha, possible alternatives. Atman is divided of these alternatives, nirvikalpa. Also, nirvikalpa means without distinction of waking, dreaming, deep sleep in which the waking, dreaming, deep sleep keep, keep coming and going. But in itself, it's not distinct from. See, the waker is distinct from the dreamer. The dreamer might have been um, on a flight to Mumbai. The waker wakes up in a, in a, a bedroom loft in Manhattan. They're two different people. They're different, uh, different in the sense, of course, you will say, I imagined it. It's true. But the time, space, activities of each is different. They're distinct. But the underlying consciousness has no hypnosis distinctions. Nirvikalpa. Um, and then, Prapanchopashama. This is a word which we saw in the seventh mantra of 
they're possible only because there's an apparent difference. Without that apparent difference, no game is possible. The play is not possible. Movie is not possible. Before, which is in a state of ignorance, the movie is a tragedy. After enlightenment, it becomes a comedy <laughs> for, for the enlightened person. Advayaha, non-dual. A small distinction I would like to make here is see if you see the beauty of this point. There is, there is a Sanskrit word, nirvishesha. This nirvikalpa, which we just used, nirvishesha. Nirvishesha means without any distinguishing attribute. Without any distinction. Vishesha, difference. Distinction. Nirvishesha, without any dif difference. Now, the Atman, Turiya, is without any distinguishing attribute. Distinguishing attribute is that which sets something apart from anything, something else. Tall, short, fat, thin, black, <coughs> white. Qualities. Qualities. They distinguish one from the other. They distinguish one from the other. If those... If qualities are not there, if characteristics are not there, the Sanskrit word is nirguna. Right? Beyond our characteristics. So, saguna, nirguna. These are opposite things. Saguna means with a lot of characteristics. Nirguna means without, without any characteristic. Now, that's the normal way we understand Advaita. But it's not correct. When we say saguna brahman, brahman with characteristics, God, all-powerful, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-loving, all-good, a host of auspicious qualities. That's how God is understood in religion. And when Advaita Vedanta speaks about Brahman, beyond everything, so we cannot apply any such distinction to Brahman, any such quality to Brahman. We call, we call it Nirguna Brahman. But they are opposites. What Vedanta is saying is, Nirguna Brahman and Saguna Brahman, they are different. As far as the distinction is given, they are clearly two different descriptions. If Nirguna Brahman is different from Saguna Brahman, then that's a distinction, a vishesha. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. I introduced the term Nirvishesha, without any distinctions. But if you are devoid of qualities, that itself is a quality. Because it sets you apart from that which has qualities. We can understand Nirguna Brahman because it's different from what? Saguna Brahman. So something beyond Nirguna Brahman. Uh, there is something beyond Nirguna Brahman and Saguna Brahman. What is that? That is the real understanding of Turiya. That is Nirvishesha. This Nirvishesha, actually that's the real meaning of Nirguna. Nirguna does not mean only devoid of qualities. It means also with qualities. So, nir, nirvishesha, nirvishesha means without any distinction. We are not saying anything different here. I am just showing you, we have already said this many times, but I am showing you an interesting fact. And it is very, very useful for our life. I will show you how. Suppose you take a featureless mass of gold, lump of gold. Say that is the gold without any shape, without any... Whatever featureless you take, some shape will be there. Anyway, let's say a shapeless lump of gold without any particular name for it. <clears throat> and you take a necklace. And you take a bracelet. And you take a ring. Necklace has a definite form. A definite name. And a definite use. Which is different from the name, form and use of bracelet. Which is again different from the name, form and use of ring. Right? And the lump of gold in itself does not have any particular name or form or maybe even any particular use as such. Now, if this is the difference between Nirguna and Saguna, what Advaita wants to say is, gold in itself is Nirvishesha. That means it has no distinction. Even when it, is, it seems to have distinctions, even when it is a necklace with this form and this name and this use, name, necklace, form like this, use, you put it here. What is it? Same Nirvishesha gold. Same Nirvishesha gold is with this form, bracelet. Name, bracelet. Use here. 
same Nirvishesha gold is now in the in the ring with this form, this use and the name ring. What I mean to say is the gold because it does not have any intrinsic shape. If I ask you what is the shape of gold, you will say question is not correct. Depends on how you I will tell you which ornament is gold. You will say whichever. Gold is comfortable as a necklace, um, ring and bracelet. Is it not so? Gold is equally happy as a necklace, bracelet and ring. Gold sees no contradiction. Gold is equally happy if you put it here, if you put it here, if you put it here. But not so for the bracelet, necklace and ring. If you call the necklace a bracelet and say, hey, my name is necklace, why are you calling me bracelet? If you take the necklace and put it around your uh, wrist, uh, you said, you fool, don't you know where to put a necklace? You to put it on your neck. So when you say, from the ornament point of view, distinctions are there and they matter and they distinguish each other. From gold point of view, equally happy with all the distinctions or without any distinction altogether. Alright. This non-distinctive gold, this example, is what applies to Atma Arturiya. In itself, it is devoid of any kind of characteristics. And it is comfortable with all characteristics. All characteristics depend upon it. Whether you are waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, consciousness is fine with it. What is the application of this? Application is tremendous. See, if you say consciousness without any distinctions, consciousness without any attributes is the highest reality. The tendency will be to erase the attributes. The tendency will be to sit in Samadhi and go into Nirvikarpa Samadhi. Wipe out the world. It's like if you say gold in itself without any names and forms, that is the highest. The tendency will be to melt the ornaments down into a lump of gold. But if you say gold in itself is without any distinctions, wherever it is, in whatever form it is, it's the same. Then use it as a necklace or a, make a necklace out of it, make a bracelet out of it. See, what happens, what I'm driving at is, the Atman, Turiya, is the same in Samadhi and in Vikshepa. When you are scattered in the world, or you're sitting in meditation and in Nirvikarpa Samadhi, it's the same Turiya. One Uttarakhand Sadhu put it this way. Janma Mrityu, birth and death, Sukh Dukh, happiness, in happiness and misery, in birth and death. In health and sickness, uh, in great difficulties or in, in aram, in, in great ease, it is the same Atman. Absolutely the same and not affected. And this is possible because the Atman is the term I used, Nirvishesha. Do you understand the difference between these terms, Saguna, Nirguna, Nirvishesha? Saguna means with qualities. Nirguna is the opposite, without qualities. But Nirvishesha is a term. Nirvishesha means without any differences, without any distinctions. This is equally happy as Saguna and Nirguna also. So Nirguna is distinguished from Saguna. If you have attributes, then you cannot be without attributes. But if you are without distinctions, you can be happy as Nirguna, you can be happy as Saguna and any kind of Saguna. Somewhat what he was talking about last week. Oh, oh. <laughs> last week that it, it to some be, extent, to some extent. Right. He goes much further because he is talking about Sri Ramakrishna's point of view. But here I am talking about uh, Advaita. Advaita itself. It is an important distinction. Because in Advaita we tend to push you from the qualified to the non-qualified. From the dualistic to the non-dualistic. The tendency is always to turn away from the world. It's, but it's foolish. Because it's as good as trying to say gold is the reality of the ornaments. And if there is a rush to melt down all ornaments and make it into a featureless lump of gold. No, no, no. Not necessary. Nirvishesha. Nirvikalpa means Nirvishesha. That Turiya is perfectly comfortable with the world when the world exists. It's perfectly comfortable when the world is not there. Just yesterday we were uh, in the museum. The dark universe show is then the hidden planetarium, Neil deGrasse Tyson. So, that uh, planetarium. Swami had come, we were showing him there. Um, 
So before the Big Bang, and Big Bang in, the, in that show is really a Big Bang, we give you a sharp subject. <laughs> so, uh, before the Big Bang, a nothingness, you know, a potential state of the universe. Turiya, same. And the universe is created, and differences are there. So many differences come. In that same Turiya, Turiya is equally comfortable. No. Yeah, I don't just to ensure that you know I'm not being lost in semantics I'm just trying to see what is the significance of Nirvishesha mm -hmm. I understand what you said that Nirvishesha has no problem being Saguna or Nirguna mm -hmm. but to me it appears we went from Saguna to Nirguna only yeah. because we left the qualities Yes. and anything that doesn't have qualities mm -hmm. cannot be distinct, distinctive by definition Yes. Right? Yes. so from that sense when mm -hmm. you go from Saguna to Nirguna you are Nirvishesh automatically exactly, correct now you see then what is the uh, why then why at all mention Nirguna Nirvishesh is comfortable with all types of situations in life because without the Understanding of a nirguna reality, a reality beyond all distinctions, this nirvishesh idea will not come. Then why introduce the nirvishesh idea at all? Because this, because otherwise, there is no harm really in philosophy. But in our mind, our psychology plays in such a way, we we'll immediately set up a duality, duality between nirguna yeah. and saguna. Exactly. And it, it is set up. Lot of debates in spiritual life also it becomes a problem. I prefer the Saguna beyond the Nirguna. I, I prefer the Nirguna beyond the Saguna. I mean, I'm waiting. I prefer Saguna Nirguna. The answer is the Nirguna is right there in the Saguna. That is the whole idea of worship of gods and goddesses in Hinduism. Entirely based. A Hindu can say without any thought of contradiction that when I am worshipping Durga or Kali or Shiva, I am worshipping my Satchidananda, non-dual Brahman alone. How can you worship non-dual Brahman? You worship it is inherently dualistic. No. I, the uh, Nirvishesha Atma, with Nirvishesha, without distinctions, I, the Nirvishesha Atma, with the power of Maya, we generate apparent distinctions of worshipper and worshipped. I am with this body and mind, I become the worshipper. With that Maya Upadi, that same Nirguna Brahman, Nirvishesh Atma becomes the Saguna Brahman. And worship can go on. But it's all possible because the Saguna is the Nirguna is the reality. The Saguna is the appearance thereof. Why is it all possible? Because Am I going too fast? Or? Yeah. Two things could be. I am moving so fast that I tell you what is he going talking about. Or it's also obvious. We are advanced. We are a Vedanta study group, so I move along faster. Um, it's all possible because, see, gold in itself does not have any name and form as an ornament. If the names and forms of ornament were as real as gold, then this, this could not have been possible. Then you'll be stuck with the, if you have a necklace, you're stuck with the necklace. The same substance can again never be a, a bracelet. But the substance gold is of a higher order of reality than the name and form of necklace. So it can easily change from a necklace into uh, a bracelet, even not even change. The names and forms can change, the substance can remain the same. Let me repeat that. It is only because it is Saguna, Nirguna. Nirguna is a higher order of reality than Saguna. This is something that Ayan Maharaj would not agree with last, last time he said. Uh, I mean, at least Sri Ramakrishna, uh, from his point of view, it's a different thing. But I'm talking about Godapadana. Nirguna, the absolute, quality less, attribute less absolute, is of a higher order of reality. This is Paramarthika. And Saguna is Vavaharika. Therefore, this Paramarthika Nirguna, can easily appear as a multitude of saguna. It can appear as the world, it can appear as you, it can appear as Shiva, Allah, Vishnu, Jehovah, Krishna, Kali, whatever. And remain exactly the same. But when you say <coughs> Nirguna is higher attribute, 
No, not actually. No, no, no. What did I say? Uh, higher. Uh, Higher reality. Higher, higher reality. Use the uh, Vedantic terms. Paramarthika, Vyavaharika. Paramarthika, absolute reality. Vyavaharika, transactional or empirical reality. Uh, Learn those terms, yes. But isn't then already there's a difference between Saguna and Nirguna or at least we are... Uh, I'll come to that. But is there a real difference? No, no real difference. Because you're saying that there's a higher order reality. Since there's a higher order reality, there cannot be a difference. If they are of the same order of reality, there will be a difference. See, gold. Follow this example. I make it into a, or a jeweler makes it into a bracelet. Then the jeweler melts it and makes it into a necklace. Between necklace and bracelet, there is a contradiction. There is a duality. You have to choose one or the other. You can't have both. But both are equally the same gold. <coughs> How is that possible? Because gold is the reality of which bracelet and necklace are appearances. Gold is paramartika compared to which, I mean, for, for example, necklace and bracelet are vyavaharika, transactional forms. That is the saguna nirguna distinction. Remember, it's not that there are, there are three things. There are only one thing, gold. But if you take necklace, then there are two things. Necklace is one and bracelet is another. Go on, you have some. Uh, so then, what is nirvishesha? Okay. So, this is up to what we have been doing so far. Right. But now I introduced a new term, nirvishesha. Because, it's not, not that I've introduced anything new. This nirvishesha is exactly this nirguna she pointed out. It's yes. exactly the same thing. But a doubt or a subtle problem is set up in our mind that nirguna and saguna are different. Because they seem to be different. With characteristics, without characteristics, clearly two different things. With characteristics, you imagine one thing. Without characteristics, you imagine another thing. <coughs> and they will say, then that itself becomes its speciality. Then what will happen in spiritual life is, we'll start seeking this one and ignoring that one. Or trying to wipe out this world. See, that becomes a yogic tendency. I want to remain in Nirvikalpa Samadhi. Why? There alone, Nirguna Brahman is available. But what about... Uh, um, the people of the world, what about temples and religions and all of these activities in the world? Oh, this is Saguna. This is Vyavaharika. It's like saying that, oh, gold is the reality. Then let me melt the ornaments down. Why? What, what the harm did the ornaments do? They are ornaments. Gold is not an ornament. But it's the same gold. Yes. So, um, the reason we, because it is Advaita Vedanta yes. and the path through knowledge. Mm. If 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 uh, pure consciousness is equally comfortable in the form and the formless, as you said, yes, yes. in world and uh, right. samadhi, in emptiness and fullness, in world and correct, yeah. correct. In even be bold enough to say happiness and misery. Yes. Yes. So then, this is like, is this a faster path? Is that yes, why certainly. we are? This is a direct path. What is the advantage of all of this? It's a, if you understand it, it's direct and effortless. Practically, neither direct nor effortless, but uh, <laughs> theoretically, at least, it's direct and effortless. How, how much effort does it take for the bracelet to become gold? How much effort will it take for the bracelet to become necklace? Plenty of effort. You need a jeweler who is skilled who will uh, melt it down and the equipment is requ required, knowledge is required, skill is required. But how much effort is required to make the golden bracelet into gold? What do you have to do? What work, what work has to be done? What prayers have to be said? What rituals have to be followed? Then what has to be done? I'm showing you a bracelet. Make it into gold. What will you, what will you, what, what do you do actually? Just recognize awareness. What do you say? Recognize awareness. Shift of perspective. You say it's done, Swami. Yes, what else do you want me to do? It's done. You just recognize because um, Shankaracharya says in Aparokshanamurti, in the clay pot, the clay blazes forth unstoppably. In the clay pot, the clay you will, without any effortlessly, helplessly, you are forced to see the clay when you see a clay pot. 
helplessly, effortlessly are forced to see Brahman when you experience the world. If you recognize Brahman as Nirvishesha. So we just said, like I just want to reconcile these two points. So Saguna is, uh, from Saguna perspective, Nirguna is Paramatic. Nirguna is Paramatic and Saguna is Vyavaharik. Vyavaharik, yes. Now from Nirvishesh perspective, how will you make a relationship? Nirvishesh perspective, Nirguna is Paramatic and Saguna is Vyavaharik. But Nirvishesh is this one itself and this one itself also. But from Nirvishesh perspective, you would say that Nirguna is uh, Vyavaharik. No, no, no. Paramatic itself. Nirguna is always paramatic. Nirguna and Nirvishesh are the same thing. Correct. But what I'm introducing here, just in terms of terms, don't get entangled in it. What I'm introducing here is a solution, not a new problem. Solution because the moment you see Nirguna Saguna, automatic preference is for the Nirguna in Advaita Vedanta. That's what Gaurapada is pushing continuously. But what I'm saying is that when you realize what Nirguna is, you will find it everywhere in the Saguna also. But uh, the idea of introducing Nirvishesha is so, so as to make sure that we understand there is no real duality between Saguna and Nirguna, right? That's yeah, from the Nirguna perspective. Right. Yes. Now, if that be true, uh, the broader philosophy of Advaita that we have been talking so far yes. always puts para, Paramartha. Paramartha, pratibha, uh, I'll just use transactional at a lower reality. Yeah, we have a lower level of reality. Then the absolute. Right? Yes, yes. So if if that is indeed true, then how can we deny that the people who are distinguishing between them are not simply following that philosophy? No, they are distinguishing between it. See, first of all, you have to distinguish between Saguna and Nirguna and complete the whole syllabus and come up to the end of second chapter. Then only I am introducing a term. See, if you have no problem at all, the, the problem of <laughs> introducing subtleties. When you have no question, if I introduce subtlety, a problem will start. But there is a problem. And the problem automatically comes in our mind. To solve that problem, this medicine is given. The problem is, we continuously prefer this. We prefer this, a kind of rejection of the world comes up in our mind. The world is to be rejected. But thinking that the ultimate reality is not in this world, it's like thinking that the gold is not to be found in the ornaments. That does not make the ornament as real as the gold. Nirguna Saguna distinction is maintained. Right? But that does not mean you have to melt the ornament down to find the gold. Okay. It does not mean that you have to um, sit down in Nirvikalpa Samadhi and uh, wipe out the world to attain the Nirguna. Nirguna is found in the world also. So the world is nothing other than Nirguna. Yes. Yes. Uncomfortable. Who is asking this question? <laughs> See, it's a, it's a very crucial question. Very crucial question. Because it's a direct path. This is the path in which these questions. If you investigate this question, it leads straight to enlightenment. But you need to know the background of Advaita to understand this. Who is uncomfortable? The answer is, it is none other than the Atman. I'll give you the philosophical answer, but then I'll give you the direct answer. It is none other than the Atman, under the influence of ignorance, not knowing itself as Nirguna, as, as the Atman, as Turiya, thinking of itself now, absolutely sure, I am this waker, with a gross body, and experiencing a gross world with all these people different from me, and struggling with Financial problems, health problems, relationship problems, all these things I'm struggling, fated to a certain, certain, certain death. Or if you are a believing person, religious person, then fated to go to heaven or hell, most likely hell. Most likely. <laughs> then it becomes a big problem. Then it becomes a big problem. <coughs> that one is unhappy. That one is com complaining. I don't want to be unhappy. I want to be happy. Why? Because I'm the mind. Happiness in the mind is, I am happy. Misery in the mind is, I am miserable. That is called Jiva. So this is the philosophical answer. The direct answer is, what, suppose you feel, suppose you're feeling, are you feeling comfortable now? Where is the feeling of comfort? 
in the mind and you are aware of the feeling of comfort right you the one who is aware of the feeling of comfort is that comfortable or uncomfortable that one who is aware of the feeling of comfort in the mind the one who is no don't listen think about it think about it if it you said the one who is aware of this feeling of uh, of, uh, of of uncomfortable is uncomfortable that uncomfortable are you aware of it that it's uncomfortable suppose this is very good this is an uncomfortable feeling suppose there's an uncomfortable feeling then you are aware of it otherwise how would you say that it's uncomfortable you are aware of it yes that one which is aware of the discomfort uncomfortable feeling is that one uncomfortable or comfortable notice in i'm not asking a question um, like a theoretical question what is the right answer no just notice it it's it, the data is right there in your mind that one which notices that there is a feeling of discomfort that one is happy or sad comfortable or uncomfortable indifferent don't listen to them look into your look into yourself and tell me what it is like i think it's the restless one is it restless there is a restlessness and you are aware of the restlessness the one which is aware of the restlessness is it restless ah it is watching because why it is notice that when you feel relaxed and restful is it the same one watching must be isn't it recognized earlier there was restlessness now there is rest right in that case that one which is watching is neither rest, restless nor um, you know subject to a disappearing restfulness it is free of both that is the real restfulness that is what is called in the mandukya shantam the deep restfulness of the atman it can never be lost even in the midst of restlessness of the mind that is because of the nirvishesha nature of the atman it is not stuck to anything yeah. it's not stuck to um, any particular set of qualities You still feel. You unhappy. still feel unhappy. That is why you are here. <laughs> it will come. It will come. It will. It is there. But the what is the problem? You see, you the persons who realize this, they are permanently at peace. Now, is it that feeling of disturbance will never come into their mind? It may come, but the moment they want, they can transcend it. Sri Ramakrishna is asked. are you suffering are you in pain sri ramakrishna says this in cancer this hurts and hari maharaj was asking said but sir i see that you are in bliss and sri ramakrishna says oh the rascal has caught me now is he lying that there is pain there is pain sagona there is pain but is the nirvishesha in pain no no why is the nirvishesha not in pain because it's actually nirguna it has no attributes and you are that one now how do we actually can it be a living reality sri ram krishna can say that but can i experience it can i get this yes that's the whole purpose that is what was said drishtaha it is seen it is realized you we'll say that why don't i feel that if it's there like that i don't i feel that he says yes you can feel it you can feel it you say why not ah yes just need a clarification yes um that nirvishesha is that point um, you know in last week's class the vijnana vedantam ha ha he said that he is away from advaita because ha. you know they don't they said a world is apasa Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, but actually this point is correct, point correct. Is right right so as what i'm trying to say is as you investigate advaita vedanta to its depths advanced advaita vedanta you begin to see it leads to what sri ramakrishna calls vigyana vedanta yes. or on i am yeah. calls vigyana vedanta yeah. it can 
Because last week, uh, I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> and no, now you, we are very yeah, yeah. explaining yeah, this. As you go deeper, it now see, has in it. True, true. But there's no harm. It's good to get confused. Because remember, this is one path. Sri Ramakrishna was vast. So, this is one path. Sri Ramakrishna would 100% approve of it. But he would say, don't be narrow about it. There are other paths too. Yeah. Long term. Include, include, include this is the way we are understanding Nirvishesha. Mm -hmm. Because there are other paths will not talk about Nirguna. Unless you talk about Nirguna, you cannot talk about Nir Nirvishesha. Krishna, according to the Vaishnavas, always Savishesha. There is no Nirvishesha Krishna. So they will never come to this. This is from the Advaitic point of view. It's a very logical way. In fact, in a very logical way, it can provide the logical basis of Vigyana Vedanta also. Um, but there is more to be said. Sri Ramakrishna did not approach it through this, this path. But Advaita is fully... Um, Gaudapada would be fully happy with that. Vigyana Vedanta approach. But in his own unique way. See, what's the difference is this. Gaudapada, if you ask him strictly, what, your, what is your approach to all the other things? You know, Vaishnavism or other religions and all of that. He will say, look at those 35. They are all distinctions and appearances in the Atma. We have no conflict with them. After all, they, um, the truth is very simple. Why talk about things this against the other? Come to your own experience, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, that will point to one Nirvishesha consciousness. You'll be free. If you go to, if you go to Shankaracharya, he makes it a little more clear and a little more objectionable. He says, Gaudapada's great discovery is called um, Avirodha. There is no contradiction between the Turiya, between um, Advaita and anything else. Why is there no contradiction? Because of this idea of Nirvishesha. What contradiction is there between gold and necklace? Nothing. What is the contradiction between necklace and bracelet? Plenty of contradiction. One or the other. But gold and necklace? Nothing. Gold and bracelet? Nothing. Gold and ring? Nothing. I'll come to you. So there is no contradiction. This is called Avirodha. But Shankaracharya goes further and he teases out the implications of Avirodha, which can be quite objectionable to dualists. He says it is like this. Why there is no contradiction between Advaita and all the other philosophies and teachings? He gives the example. The Advaita is like a person, you are sitting on your elephant, this is an old Example, imagine 1400 years ago in a small village road in Kerala. So there are a lot of elephants. You are going on your elephant down the road. And this madman comes, Shankaracharya says in his commentary, this madman comes in front of you, charge your elephant against mine. We'll have, let's have an elephant fight. So imagine, in these days, the teenagers, they race motorcycles, so they, they race elephants maybe in those days. So, Charge your elephant against mine. Let's have an elephant fight. Let's fight my elephant against your elephant. But he's a madman. He's on foot. There's no elephant at all. What will you fight with? That person has no elephant against whom you can charge your elephant. So, from <laughs> Shankaracharya's point of view is, from the Nirguna perspective or the Nirvishesha perspective, there is no other reality at all. All the other philosophies, they talk about it at a Vyavaharika uh, level. With, with whom we have no contradiction. Let them say anything. Take it one step further. All our appearances. Advaita alone talks about the reality. <laughs> so there is no, there is no contradiction. That is, Gaudapada himself doesn't say it. Shankaracharya draws that out. You had a question? Yes. Swami, maybe it's not a good question. After so many classes, uh, it shows the ignorance. But it's very easy after all these classes grasp what she just grasped. Yes. What is the true self? Right? You are the true Atman and you are the witness. You are, that is the consciousness. Yes. For yourself, it's, the concept of Atman is, is, I think, one that we can all relate to. Good, yes. Which is progress. Yes, which is a very big progress. Yeah. Stepping but, back from the body-mind, especially from the ego, to the witness of the ego, yeah, to consciousness. The that's the real progress. Yeah, yes. that is, and so, Even in understanding, that's yes. real progress. So that's the good news. The bad news for me personally is to Take it to the next level and extrapolate it to Brahman and, and break it up as Saguna Brahman and Durguna Brahman. 
is a leap that's just, I mean, we managed to put a little theory around it, and I mean, you, 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 you know, conveyed that theory to us really well, yes. but still it, it feels like theory. It's, it, it's very hard to get your arms around that concept that the whole world is right. a projection. Right. For that, the second chapter is important. Please sit. For that, the second chapter, you can come here and sit. For that, the second chapter is important. The falsity of the word, the appearance nature of the word. In that case, from your perspective as pure consciousness, the entirety of the word appears to you in, in, in beauty awareness. The concept of the, the, the example of the dream. Why the example of the dream is important is, when you look back upon the dream, you realize the individual and the word in the dream, both are in your mind. In that case, are you not something analogous to Brahman in the dream? What Brahman should be for us right here? Is that dream analogy understood? Mm -hmm. You, the individual in the dreams, and the world you are experiencing, upon waking up from the dream, upon waking up from the dream, you realize that individual and the world you are experiencing, both were you. No? After all, where was the world? It was not out there, it was in your mind. People, places, things, stars and planets and atoms, they're all in your mind. Which means that the, the total and the individual was both, the underlying that was the, was the mind of the way. It's on the right. It still was. They're talking to you. Well, that would be one possible explanation. A different explanation could be there was the you in the waking world and there was the you in the dream world. But that we have already, that's not your experience. You sublate it. You, you do not see that there are two parallel worlds going on together. You realize I alone was there. I was lying in this bed. You don't. You don't feel that. There's no proof for that. There's no disproof for that either. There is because you feel I was that. Clearly, your waking experiences are materials for the dream. Clearly, you had fallen asleep. Clearly, you are not in two places at the same time. You are in one place, which is in your mind. There's, I mean, there is, uh, there's enormous evidence to support that you were, uh, you were dreaming. All your people told you that you were sleeping like this. Now, the doctor would say that um, uh, REM sleep activity is going on in your brain. So all the evidence points to you not being in some other world at that time. Is that the extrapolation from that? Extrapolation from that would be, in the same way, when you are enlightened, that means when you see yourself as Turiya, from Turiya perspective, this entire world and you, the so-called individual in the world, you are nothing other than Turiya. That Turiya is Brahman. That's the meaning of I am Atma Brahman. This is what has to be grasped. The reason why it is difficult for us to grasp is, just as, imagine you in the dream, standing in the dream and somebody comes to you and tells you a kind of dream Advaita, that this entire world is nothing but you. You would find, you resist it. It seems so different to me. You, the teacher, seem different from me. In this world, the people, the sky, and the earth, they all seem different from me. And yet, when you wake up, who would be right? That guy would be right. The teacher in the dream would be right. Now, the crucial thing is changing the level from the dream level, which is called pratibhasika, appearance level, to the transactional level, waking up level, vyavaharika. Here, the change is from vyavaharika to um, paramartika. You suddenly come upon something in your own experience. Once you begin to dwell on that witness consciousness, you begin to see everything appears not to it, but in it. In fact, the relationship of this universe to you, the witness consciousness, is similar to the relationship of your dream world to you, the waker. Then you begin to see. But from there to say that you are Brahman, you don't have to see it. You immediately feel it. Clearly, because there is no other. There is no other. Because already you have found that this Atman is I myself. It's the innermost core of myself. So that Brahman which exists there is I. Where is the other one? Where is the second thing? Why can't your? This is a question we've encountered before. Why can't your Atman be different than my Atman? Then this is another question. This is a, 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 a debate between Sankhya and Advaita. Clearly the Jivas are different. 
you are a different body mind complex have a different body mind complex but once we begin to appreciate what the atman is in the sankhyan perspective they they will say what you are saying yes we are pure consciousness but we are all multiple pure consciousnesses we are not body mind the, the term is purusha in fact nature is one continuum called prakriti and we are infinite pure consciousnesses in western philosophy there was a philosopher called leibniz inventor of calculus he speaks of monads dots of consciousness like star beautiful image he uses of stars in the night sky so he says we are like that there are bursts of light in the night sky night sky is the material universe dot is dark it's dark it's only lit up by you and i the consciousness but we are all separated from each other eternally so the very lonely kind of philosophy <coughs> sankhya is exactly like that sankhya says that but advaita now asks why can why are you saying that the consciousness is a different if you say difference if the onus is upon you to prove the difference clearly the bodies are different because you can count them separate here you are sitting there i'm standing here you can see clearly bodies are different minds are different because your knowledge my knowledge your experiences my experiences are clearly different they can be demonstrated to be different but if you remove the distinctions of body and mind what will remain to distinguish one atman from the other in fact you need not even go to the surya go to the deep sleep what distinguishes your deep sleep from my quality wise nothing yes all distinctions of waking and dreaming are there in a potential state but when you go into the deep sleep and i go into deep sleep your experience is exactly my experience you know why because it's a kind of nirguna state kind of because i'm not saying it's exactly nirguna in the surya kind because uh, all the distinctions are still there in the merged form it will all come out later on but otherwise it's the same not only even even i will venture to say an, an animal which is which is whose psyche would be completely different from a human psyche but in deep sleep we have exactly the same experience upanishad says the deep sleep the ant and the lion and the man and the elephant have the exact same deep sleep once distinctions are lost then you cannot differentiate how will you count one atman from the other atman advaita asks that and sankhya has answers for that but each of the answers you can easily dismiss they will say uh, when one is happy another is unhappy how can we the happy and unhappy be the same but we already we have distinguished mind from consciousness uh, this is when one is sleeping other is waking how can both be the same can it be both sleeping and waking at the same time answer is very simple it's mind which is sleeping or waking when one is dead another is alive how can you be dead and alive at the same time if you are the same self but that is self under the influence of the mind mind what one is enlightened this is they go as far as that one is enlightened one is in uh, ignorance then uh, how will you say it's the same self but self is neither enlightened nor ignorant godapada just said neither freedom nor bondage yani no dona ki utpatti from the atman's point of view it's not there so we cannot distinguish let me let me just go a little bit and finish this verse because next is hanuka <laughs> so i thought you were going to ask the question which is actually directly relevant to this i thought you were to say the next big problem the next big problem you have is a theoretical problem another philosophical problem this is good very very but here is a practical problem the next big problem is i understand all that but uh, it is it has no effect it is not it is not delivering what is promised I'm still unhappy. I'm still restless. I still suffer in the world. I understand all this. Sounds fascinating. But where is the peace of mind that was promised? Where is the transcendence of sorrow that was promised? So he says here, verse number six. Thirty-six. What is required? Drishtaha. It is seen. <coughs> Who sees? Vita raga bhaya krodhay munidhi veda paragehi. To put it briefly, sadam chadushta. The fourfold qualifications for Vedantic inquiry. Plus shavana, plus manana. These are many. This just will come next verse. So who sees? What do you need to experience it and? and make the benefits flow um first of all four four qualifications 
विवेक वैराग्य एंड सिक्स ट्रेजर्सपत्ति वॉट आर देमेम्बर श्रम पीस ऑफ माइंड कंट्रोल ऑफ द सेंसेस उपरति विड्रॉवल फ्रॉम वर्ल्डली एंजॉयमेंट उपरति देन समाधान सेटलिंग डाउन आफ्टर यू विड्रॉन सेटल डाउन तितिक्षा स्पिरिचुअल टफनेस स्पिरिचुअल फॉर्टिट्यूड अप्स एंड डाउन विल कम इन द वर्ल्ड बट यू स्टिक टू योर स्पिरिचुअल प्रैक्टिस श्रद्धा आई मे नॉट हैव रियलाइज दिस बट देर इज सम ट्रूथ इन दिस लेट वी ट्राई एंड रियलाइज इट आई विल टू होल्ड ऑन टू दैट सो दिस इज सिक्स फोल्ड ट्रेजर्स ऑफ दिन जर्नी यू नीड ट्रेजर यू नीड पॉइंट टू मेक द जर्नी सो दिक्स फोल्ड and then last one mumukshutam see how confusing it can be just now as god upon said no mumukshu is there at all now he says these qualities are necessary and after this what is this so here he has mentioned what he has mentioned just indicated vita raga vita raga means vairagya raga means attachment raga is a vritti raga the word sanskrit word raga means coloring the mind is colored so that it gets attached to certain things shukha sukhanushai raga the definition is there that which gives us pleasure or we hope to get pleasure from it or we have got pleasure from it in the past we get slowly addicted to it the mind gets colored by it when i want pleasure i want to go and look there that is called raga it could be a thing it could be an activity it could be uh, could be a philosophy uh, it could be a person could be a place a food So rather, that will prevent you from um, from realizing drishta to see this reality. It will prevent you. Why? Coloring, like we put on colored specs, colored uh, glasses, it prevents us from seeing the reality as it is. So raga prevents you from seeing reality as it is. And raga engages you in the world. It it uh, leads you to bhoga to experience the world. Bhaya krodha. fear fear always concerned with the future something somebody some uh, object happening or person <coughs> fear fear is connected with the future and then the opposite is shoka grief connected with the past both of them disturb the mind krodha when desire is frustrated krodha means anger comes this also disturbs the mind so one this the teacher so nicely today i don't have much time but i'll tell you a little bit see the 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 foolishness one person was saying that the opposite of raga is also bad dvesha dvesha is detesting something disliking something so you have dvesha distaste or a dislike for For your enemy, the teacher is saying you don't want your enemy. Remember, it's in the Himalayas. So you don't want your enemy to stay in the village, and you dislike him so much. You don't even want him around in the village, and the result is you have invited him into your heart. <laughs> he says in Hindi. What he says in Hindi? Dwesh karte ho itna gaon mein bhi nahi rehne dena chahte ho. Gaon mein bhi na rahe. Lo, aage aapne din. <laughs> you hate somebody so much you don't want to see him around you have invited him into your heart he stays in your heart that's the nature of hatred um, dislike anger will come into you anger he says it's a fire which before burning anybody you need you're angry you know even for a right good cause i see people with righteous cause are very angry people it's a good cause that it's a fire but before burning up the object of your anger it burns up your own heart it 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 burns the place where the anger the fire always burns the place where it's lit first it's lit in your heart that's why the wise person this is trying to recall the said it's the fool who cannot get angry it's the wise person who does not get angry so krodha these are the opposite of shama shama means peaceful mind so peaceful mind is is destroyed by these things 
but it's indicative of the sixfold treasure. All are not mentioned here. Munihi. Munihi means literally, literally means a sage, but literally, if you take the Sanskrit meaning, Mananashila, the one who's given to thinking deeply and clearly. The Vedantic meaning, Shankaracharya says, Viveki. Mananashila, Viveki. So remember, Viveka Vairakya. So Viveka. Viveka is the distinction between the eternal and the non eternal. Viveka Vairakya. This distinction. Um, so, Vitaraga is Vairakya, Bhaya Krodha, from whom fear is gone, fearless, peaceful, not angry. And Viveki, clear distinction, my goal is spiritual enlightenment, not anything else, not distracted by this and that. Especially in this world, continuously distracted by those little infernal screens. <laughs> I'm also working in my pocket. <laughs> so, we're distracted. Veda Paragi. Now what do you need? You ask the question. Then if it's there, no, she's distracted. If she asks the question. If it is there, why don't we see it? If it's so clear and so direct, it says you need to be introduced to it. Veda Paragi means uh, the one who knows, literally knows the Vedas. Shankaracharya comments there. By Vedas is meant here the Vedanta, the final teachings of the Vedas, the Upanishads. The conclusion of the Veda, what we studied, for example, in Mandukya Upanishad, waking, dreaming, deep sleep, and the two years, you are clear about this. The teaching is complete. You have thought about it. Shravana Manana has been done with fourfold qualifications. Then, Drishtaha. Ayam means this Turiya, the fourth. In the seventh mantra, we ended with Sa Atma Sa Savigayaha. That is Atman, which is to be realized. Drishtava means it is realized. So, fourfold qualification, Shravana Manana, necessary to realize the Atman, which is Nirvishesha, or here Nirvikalpa, and Advaya, non-dual, and Prapanchopashama, where the universe has no separate existence. Next will come, once this clarity is there, then how do you double down on it? Steady yourself in it. That question comes up. I begin to get it. But can I keep it continuously? Yes. That will come next. These verses are simple, but very powerful. Happy Manuka to everybody. <laughs> Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Ram Krishna Rakana 